0: Thank you for listening to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message and his word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. All right, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. We are in a series uh, entitled, uh, Who's Your Neighbor? What we've been talking about is... uh, the way we as believers are supposed to interact around our neighbors. What we said last week is that everyone is our neighbor. This weekend though, we want to concentrate uh, on our neighbors in church. We wanna talk about our neighbors in the same community uh, of faith that we are in. And uh, this week as I was studying for this message, um, and, the, and the Lord gave me what chapter uh, to, to teach out of. <laughs> I was like, for real, Jesus, on Mother's Day, this is the chapter you want me to read out of. So I just want you to know I'm obeying the Holy Spirit uh, <laughs> because if it was up to me, I don't think I would have chosen this text on Mother's Day. Uh, but after you read <laughs> what pops off, just know I'm just trying to be obedient to Jesus and preach what he told me to, no disrespect to all the mamas in the room, and no implication that you're involved in these shenanigans. (laughs) In 1 Corinthians chapter number five, please Jesus help me teach. Okay, so 1 Corinthians chapter number five, I'm going to read this, but if you're taking notes, the title of this message is, The Church, God's Neighborhood Watch Program. The Church, God's Neighborhood Watch program. One of the greatest gifts that God has ever given to us is the church. No man made that up, God made that up. It was His way of calling out those that believe in Jesus and putting them together so that they could be strengthened by each other's faith and also they could hold each other accountable. To keep the faith. It's the greatest neighborhood watch program ever invented. And in 1 Corinthians chapter number 5, there is uh, a situation that has happened, uh, and we're just going to dive into it. I've already given you my disclaimer. It's too late to go back now. Let's ride. I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you. Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) Uh, something that even pagans don't do. I am told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. Ah! You are so proud of yourselves, but you should be mourning in sorrow and shame. And you should remove this man from your fellowship. Even though I am not with you, I am with you in spirit. And as though I were there, I have already passed judgment on this man in the name of the Lord Jesus. You must call a meeting of the church. I will present you. uh, I will be present with you in spirit, and so with the power of the Lord Jesus. Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan, so that the so that the sinful nature will be destroyed, and he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. You're boasting about this. It's terrible. Don't you realize that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast. By removing this wicked person from among you, then you will be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast, which is what you really are. Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed for us. So let us celebrate the festival, uh, not with the old bread of wickedness and evil, but with the new bread of sincerity and truth. When I wrote to you before, pay close attention to this. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin, or are greedy, or cheat people, or worship idols. You would have to leave the world to avoid people like that. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer, yet indulges in sexual sin, or is greedy, or worships idols, or is abusive, or is a drunkard, or cheats people. Don't even eat with such a person. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it is certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. Oh, this is going to change everything. God will judge those on the outside. But as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. Buckle up. The church, God's Neighborhood Watch program. Bow your hands, let's pray. Holy Spirit, help us. Amen. I don't know what else to pray. <laughs> now, let me say this uh, before we get started. Um, we, we, we don't know of anybody involved in this situation. OK, so amen, Embassy City Church. Um, a lot of times you'll hear a sermon and you'll be thinking, wow, is that aimed at somebody or is he trying to come through and sweep stuff? No, I, I, I preach what the Lord tells me to preach and it could be a lot of drama going on. And if he tells me to preach about love, I'm just going to preach about love. And and so, I don't preach according to what's going on in the church. I preach what the Holy Spirit's telling me to say. Okay? And so, uh, this message, when we talk about the series, Who's Your Neighbor? and we're talking about the church as God's neighborhood watch program, uh, what we're talking about is that God gave us this great place to come together to worship, to be with like minded people, but it is also a place of accountability and strength. That um, if, if you are going through a difficult season in your life, this is the reason why we have uh, uh, all of our friends down at the altar after the service, that if you need time for prayer, if you need to pray about something, if you're being tempted, if you're under uh, duress, you have a trial or a circumstance in your life, we want you to get the prayer that you need so that you can continue to be a strong believer. In those times uh, where life gets challenging or in those times where we have all, anybody besides me, missed the mark? Anybody that doesn't raise their hands, will have a different series for you (laughs) next month, (laughs) if the Lord tells me to. Um, We've all missed the mark. But if the Holy Spirit is present on the inside of us, and I believe he is, he, he is the greatest person to convict us of our sins. You don't have to hear a sermon every single weekend, preach from the pulpit, trying to hammer you down. Be right, be right, be right. The Holy Spirit can't keep you. You can't be kept. I have no aspirations of being Holy Spirit Junior, (laughs) being the detective that tries to keep tabs on everybody. But in those times that we do miss the mark, we uh, are commissioned, we are called to help our brothers and sisters find their way back to the straight and narrow path. When somebody chooses of their own volition to live outside of God's grace, uh, and as we'll read in a minute, uh, brazenly decides to disobey what God is saying, the the Neighborhood Watch Program shows up in full force to make sure uh, that the whole community is not exposed to someone who does not want to submit to what the Lord is telling them to do. Now, I'm not talking about you having a struggle. I'm not talking about a, a season of your life where it got, where it got bad. I'm talking about uh, a, 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 a conscious decision to go, I know exactly what's right, I choose not to do it, and I don't care what you all say about it. Here's what it says in uh, Numbers chapter number 15, verses 30 and 31. But those who brazenly violate the Lord's will, whether native-born Israelites or foreigners, have blasphemed the Lord and they must be cut off from the community. Since they have treated the Lord's word with contempt and deliberately disobeyed his command, they must be completely cut off and suffer the punishment for their guilt. Here's what Paul is saying when he finds out about this atrocity that's happening in one of the churches in Corinth. Hey, I already heard about it. I'm not even there. Why is that person still there? You all know about it and no one's done anything about it What's up? Why is this happening? He said, I've already judged the situation. I'm not even there, and I've already judged the situation. And here's what I've judged it. That's nasty. <laughs> and here's what I've said about it. If that guy wants to continue living that type of a lifestyle, it's time for him to go. Then he says something that I, that I don't know if, like, the body of Christ at large has really paid attention to. Because if, if you see how most people react. To those that don't have a covenant with the Lord, unbelievers, uh, you would think this passage doesn't exist at all. He said, Hey, when I told you to stay away from people that were involved in sexual immorality, I wasn't talking about unbelievers. People that cheat, that are greedy, that are just sinners. You would have to leave the whole world to get away from people like that. You couldn't go to Walmart. You couldn't go into the deep blue box and come out with your randomized items. Shotgun shells, gallon of milk, pair of slippers, and $1.99 DVD. You can get everything at Walmart. It's just random. Okay? But here's what he's saying. When I told you to stay away from people like that, I wasn't talking about unbelievers because they're unbelievers. They've never made a commitment to God. So, I mean, they're just being who they are. All of us, before we gave our life to Jesus, we were, were, we were kind of them. I was doing what I was doing. I felt no conviction about it. But then when I gave my life to the Lord, I did feel a conviction about it. And those times that I missed the mark, there was somebody there to say, hey, you need to line back up. So here we are in this situation where he's saying, hey, we're not talking about unbelievers. You'd have to leave the whole world. When I told you to stay away from those, I'm talking about people that are believers. The majority of church doesn't respond that way. We'll go, oh, my goodness, I can't believe what's on TV, and I can't believe what's in the movies, and I boycott everything, and let's go protest, and let's get picket signs, and let's ban it. And it's like, uh, why don't you start at your church first? Have you checked your row? I know you want to go ban the, the march and the parade. Have you checked your row, though? Because the only news we have for those that are not unbelievers is good news. (laughs) The good news is somebody loves them. Enough that while they're playing in the playground with all the boils on their body, somebody wants to run out there, pick them up and go, do you want to be my kid? It's not the other way around. So he says, hey, forget those out there. You have a you have an obligation to hold those accountable that are inside the church that you know are sinning. Says that's what you're supposed to judge. Which brings us to this uh, tension that has always existed in the church, uh, which is the difference between judgment and fruit inspection. Okay? Matthew chapter number 7, starting at the 15th verse, It says this, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. We are called to be fruit inspectors, Not, not judges. Fruit inspection. You will know them by their actions. That's how you can know if it's a good person or a bad person. Don't listen to what they say. Just watch what they do. If somebody says, hey, I really like you, but they kick you in the shin, the first time you could be like, hey, my shin's there. You probably didn't see it. Watch where you're stepping, okay? If they kick you again, you could be like, hey, um, my shin is here, and I don't know if your foot knows, like, Distance, but it's made contact twice. So my shin is here. The third time, they're a shin kicker. (laughs) You have actionable intel. This person likes kicking shins. Don't make excuses and be like, no, they don't like kicking shins. It's just that mine is always close to their foot. (laughs) No, you're an enabler. Stop it. They've just proved by their action. They kick shins back, 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 get like 50 feet. It's different from judgment. Here's what it says. In Matthew, chapter number seven, verses one through six, do not judge others. and You will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite! Remember that a couple of weeks ago? First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Now, now I want you to notice something about what he says here and and what happens later on. It's the same chapter. Jesus talks about judgment and fruit inspection. Here's what so many people have done just based on the first five verses of Matthew chapter number seven. Only God can judge me. Can't can't say anything. You don't. You're not my judge. Only judge I have is God. I can't tell you how many rappers have the tat. Only God can judge me on them when they're rapping about stuff. They're already judged for like a judge in court is going to judge you, clown. You just did 11 songs saying you slung dope. So the FBI has all the evidence they need. Cause you're stupid. <laughs> Only God can judge me. Only God can judge you. Uh, but we're required in the neighborhood watch program to watch your fruit. Let me give you an indication of what this judgment is really all about. Um, uh, first, but let me give you. Uh, uh, let me answer. Let me ask you this question, and then I'll answer it for you. Okay? What is the difference between fruit inspection and judgment? What is the difference? Between fruit inspection and judgment, okay? There's a difference between the two. This is how you can hold it and know. Fruit inspection is when you know. That's when you know something, okay? You know what is there. Judgment is when you assume what is there. Fruit inspection is when you know. What is there? There's a key word, inspection. I'm not making an assumption, I've inspected it and I realize now, that's there. The actions prove that it's there. Judgment is when you assume something is there and you make a decision based on your assumption. I'll give you a case in point. Uh, in my home, my, my kids can't stand uh, fruit that has changed colors, okay? Uh, if, if Noah sees a banana and it has one brown spot, he's judged it. Uh, mm-mm, mm-mm. I can't eat that, daddy. That banana is bad. It's not. No, it's not. A, it's, it's a great banana. It's still firm. It's ripe. No, it's not. There's a brown spot. It's bad. I can't eat that banana. I unpeeled the banana. There is no brown spot at all. He judged it. He assumed because he saw a spot on it, something was wrong with it on the inside. And you can't do that. You have to judge the fruit. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But don't judge the book by its cover. There's so many people that come to church and they're judged as soon as they walk in the door. It it used to baffle my mind uh, in some of the churches that I would visit growing up, that that had a problem with with, with uh, certain ways uh, the ladies dressed or certain ways the guys dressed, and they would judge them based on the clothes that they had on. But like that's all they had. Like they didn't get the church starter kit: <laughs> a suit for men's warehouse, cufflinks, double Windsor knot tie, nice leather shoes. They just like. Like somebody invited them and they came and they, like, they looked like, like they do because that's, that's what they have. So it looked like the same outfit from the club and it probably was because that's, what, that's how they dressed. And they would come in and there would actually be sermons which is not really a sermon on like dress code. Can't believe. Come in here, sagging those pants. Ladies come in here, short skirt. And remember, I'm a very literal person. So I'd be sitting in the church service, like, barely above a whisper, going, then go buy him something. <laughs> like, you could actually talk about Jesus in your sermon if you just shut up talking about the clothes and take him shopping. <laughs> if it's bothering you that bad, take him to go get this church starter kit. And it'd be, <laughs> it would be good, right? Wouldn't it be... Be over by that time? You can preach about Jesus at a close? Don't judge it. Because I know a lot of people in the church starter kit. Just let that lay there for a minute. See. See if everybody. They know the right things to say, they know all the churchy things to say. And their heart is really bad. So, so, so inspect the fruit, don't judge it. Here's uh, what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter number four, verse number five. So don't make ju- judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns, for he will bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. Then God will give to each one whatever praise is due. And that's talking about the final judgment, Uh, when we go to meet him, okay? Now, here's the reason why that's so important. Only the Lord can fully know a person's heart. I guarantee you, you're going to be surprised at who's in heaven. I just guarantee it, okay? I guarantee there's probably somebody that you think, I know he didn't make it. (laughs) And if you make it and get up there, you're going to be like, what? Really? And there's going to be some other people, shocking, that you won't see there. You're going to be like, oh, I know he's up there. And then you get up there, and you're like, where is where is Reverend so-and-so? You're going to be like, no, no, he didn't make it. <laughs> but he had on his church starter kit, and he, <laughs> he preached every weekend. Yeah, he didn't make it. Nah, nah. He knew all the right things to say, but he just wouldn't live for me. And you were looking at the church starter kit, and I was looking at his heart. So, (laughs) okay. So, this is the Neighborhood Watch program. You wanna make sure that you're not on that list, (laughs) the I'm about to get kicked out the church list. And there's a real simple way uh, to determine who's moving out and who's moving in. So, let me give you the top three reasons I'm sorry, top three signs uh, that you're moving out, that you're moving out of community. And that that happens in your heart before it ever happens physically. Okay, Um, that happens. It starts happening in your actions. It starts happening uh, when there's a disconnect from your personal time with God, uh, from time in his word, time in his presence. It starts happening when uh, you start disconnecting yourself from church. It's one of the biggest and most nefarious lies that the enemy gives uh, to believers is I don't need the church have a personal relationship with God. Right? Do you ever hear the tone? The tones letting you know, "Oh, you're out of here almost." <laughs> B- because if if that's the tone, then what you're really saying is I don't like what God gave us to be in community. And I can have that at home on my laptop. I don't need you and your organized religion Are you telling me what to do. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. We're all trying to encourage each other to keep the faith that we've made a confession for. Okay? So, uh, top three signs that you're moving out. Point number one, pride. First sign uh, that a heart is moving away from God and ultimately will move away from community pride. Pride by definition, a high or inordinate opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, superiority, whether as cherished in the mind or as displayed in bearing conduct. Pride is always the first thing that you'll see in someone who's starting to move away from God and ultimately away from church community. The thing that is so dangerous about pride and the reason why God hates it so much is that pride stands in front of you with the mirror and tells you you look amazing. And the only person that can't see themselves is the person that has the pride. Everybody else can see it. They're like, mm, I don't like that person. They're prideful. And they're like, "No, I'm not." Because that, that mirror is right in front of them, like, "You look amazing." And everybody else is like, "No, you don't look good at all." But they can't see it. So pride is number one. Point number two is isolation. Oh, let me give you the scripture for uh, 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 point number one. Proverbs 16:18. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughtiness before a fall. Now, 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 Here's the thing. It wouldn't say it like this if it was uh, 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 th- the same exact thing. Okay? Pride goes before destruction. We say pride goes before a fall, but that's not what Scripture says. Pride goes before destruction. Haughtiness before a fall. Haughtiness is when you lift yourself up to yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm above you. Okay? I'm above you. I've lifted myself up. Well. The moment you start lifting yourself above, you fall. Okay? But pride, pride is when now my own mindset and the way I feel about this is better than God's. You're going to be destroyed. You'll be destroyed. Point number two, isolation. Hebrews chapter number 10, verses 23 through 26. Uh, Let us hold tightly... Without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good work. And let us not neglect our meeting together community, as some people do, those that have disconnected, okay? But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. Here's what God is saying. If if you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, I'm not sending my son again. No more bleeding out. Done that. It's done. And, 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 and it can cover everything. But if you want to just keep going all the way past that, there's no other sacrifice coming. That was it. Jesus died once. He's forgiven your sins. And if you accept that and receive that and, and, and rest in that, you'll walk in freedom. If you don't, there's nothing else that we can do for you. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, don't disconnect yourself. Because the moment you disconnect yourself, the only person counseling you is Satan. And, and you'll start thinking, I, this is the best advice ever. I've actually sat down with people that have been disconnected. I can always tell when somebody's been disconnected from church for a while because their theology just gets weird. Like, I have a personal relationship with God, and it's just, he's cool with me, you know. I got my struggles and stuff, but, you know, I'm still loved by him, and, and, and he cares. And I'm like, okay, go on. That, that's all true. And it's like, I mean, who needs church anyway? I mean, you read the Bible. I'm reading the Bible, so it's like, I don't need you over me. And I'm like, mm, that's, mm-mm. I didn't, mm-mm. Nobody said they were trying to be over you. We're, we're talking about community. And 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 so I don't need the church, and and uh, I got my own relationship, and you know I've been reading, and so you know sometimes when I'm just at home, I just you know roll a joint and uh, just smoke it, and then the Lord starts really talking to me, good, and I'm like, That's, I'm not sure. Every green herb that grows in the in the earth is the Lord, so I'm thinking to myself, why not move to Denver and just. Be high and lifted up, and I'm like I. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the, I'm not sure he meant that. That's not no. That's not right. I don't think. Mm mm. You need to sit down. And be humble. Hold up. Hold. Oh, never mind. Um. Once you get isolated, you start talking crazy. You ever heard somebody get isolated? And the way they talk, the way they come, you start hearing, you're going, who is your friend? Like, who has heard this come out of your mouth and was like, yes, you are absolutely right? No one, no one would do that. So don't isolate yourself, okay? That's what happens. Rebellion is number three. Okay. Now, uh, there's a definition I have here for rebellion: open, organized, and armed resistance to one's government or ruler; resistance to resistance to or defiance of any authority, control, or tradition. Now, here's what happens: sometimes uh, uh, you get an individual who's uh, begun to get prideful they started to distance themselves they're now a little bit more isolated but they've still been coming to the church okay and then what happens is uh uh maybe leadership sees that this person is out of control and so again they're they're trying to preach (laughs) instead of dealing with the person one-on-one they're going to preach a sermon to the whole church and hope they're listening so all of a sudden I'm doing a seven-week series on submission and, like, the, the, whole, the whole sermon is really to John, right? And if you're John, no offense, okay? The whole series is for John, but everybody else has to listen to it. And the pastor's, like, you know, preaching this way because John's over here. He doesn't want to make eye contact with him. And he's like, you need to submit. If you don't submit, you're not right. And it's like, you should have just brought John in the office and told him, hey, John, I heard you're doing something foul. You probably don't need to do that anymore. When when we don't have, when we don't directly address the person, we're not loving and covering them. Here's the thing. When somebody is is willfully disobedient or they find themselves uh, stuck in a certain uh, behavior and it comes to the attention of leadership, the reason why we want to confront the sin is not to catch them. It's to save them. We're not trying to catch anybody. We're trying to save them from destroying themselves. But if you have rebellion, that's when you start getting defiant against authority. And and when somebody, if somebody goes that route, I don't get personally offended. You're not submitted to Embassy City Church and my leadership. No, you're not submitted to God. I'm not going to make this about me. You're not submitted to the Lord. Here's what it says in uh, 1 Samuel chapter number 15, verses 22 and 23. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Saul was supposed to wait on an instruction from Samuel. He didn't. He went ahead and did it anyway. There's rebellion there. And here's the thing that was so bad about it. It wasn't that he disobeyed. It's that when he was confronted, when he was confronted by Samuel, he lied and was like, I don't see what the big deal is. I mean, it's not that bad. That's when you know you've been isolated and the enemy speaking to you. What used to make you nauseous, something in your life that the Holy Spirit showed you, and you had worked on that area, and then all of a sudden you're like, "I don't see what the big deal is." Okay, I lied, and what? I stole the money. I don't see what the big deal is. We had a situation one time where somebody lied, and it was a horrible lie that they told, and then uh, uh, we we so we gave some distance to that individual, according to Scripture, right? We 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 gave him some distance to see. Maybe if you just have some distance for a minute, you know, if you're going to listen to the enemy, he's probably going to beat you up a little bit. You'll probably come back and, y- you know, your soul will be safe. Well, uh, when this individual came back, we had a conversation, and Juliet and I just wanted to know where the person's heart was. And we said, hey, so, so how do you feel about the lie that you told? And they were like, look, I've already told God I'm sorry, and so whoever else is going to forgive me is fine, but I'm, he forgave me, so I'm good. And we were like, oh. Well, okay, well, hey, it's not me, it's you. <laughs> and we, we haven't talked to the individual since. If we see them, we'll, we'll be cordial, uh, but, but we're not making room in our lives for people that w- don't want to walk according to God's word the way we want to walk. Because ultimately, if you keep that type of individual in your life, they will compromise you too. That's why he said you got to remove them from among you lest they compromise everyone else in the congregation. And now everybody thinks it's okay to do whatever they want to do. Whenever you leave sin unaddressed in your personal life or in a corporate atmosphere, it will start to rub off on other people. So we're not trying to make the goody two shoes club. We're trying to get a group of people that say, you know what? Uh, this is the way that we've uh, decided to live, and we're not going to change from that. Let me give you an example that the Holy Spirit just popped in my head. The Biggest Loser. Anybody ever seen that show? Now, you talk about a neighborhood watch program. That scale came around every week, and you had to get on it. And that scale was going to tell on you every single week. And I love how they shot it, you know, the cameras was everywhere, and it'd always be that one person, I'm gonna have this cake. <laughs> I'm gonna have this cake, because I deserve this cake. Now, I'm gonna run four extra miles on the treadmill, but I'm gonna have this cake, okay? And then they have the cake, they step on the treadmill, and remember, that's, it's like the orange team, and the red team, and the blue team, and so the blue team is like, come on, we gotta make it this week, and we wanna, and, th- and the person steps on, the cake person stepped on the scale, they're like, I don't understand why I didn't, makes no sense. I mean, worked out really hard. And then they show the footage, but this cake, though. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. <laughs> this cake told on you. A lot of people do that with church. They do that with their relationship with God. They wow out. But I'm going to listen to extra praise and worship this week. I'm going to double up on my podcast. But when you step on the scale, it tells whose presence you've been in longer. And all we're saying is, if you're in God's presence, you'll start looking and acting like God. If you're not in his presence, you'll start looking and acting like whatever it is that is shaping and influencing your life the most. So let me give you three signs that you're moving in, into community, into a deeper relationship with God, okay? Point number one, humility. It's real simple. It's the opposite of pride, humility. James chapter 4 verse 10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Now here's the thing about humility that I want you to understand. Um, Humility is something that God tells us to do Because he knows we can do it. I've actually heard people say, hey, would you pray for me that God humbles me in this area? No. You don't want him to do it. He doesn't even want him to do it. He wants you to do it. That's why he says, humble yourselves. Old Testament, if my people who are called by my name would seek my face, turn, humble themselves. He's saying, you can do this, so you should do it. And here's what it lets me know. You know, I'm a literalist. You know how I process. I'm very linear. I'm very sequential. If you wind up in pride, you should know it. Because what you're saying is, I can be humble, but I choose not to. I will now stand in pride. He says, if you humble yourselves, God, is, God will come near to that person. But, but if you're prideful... There's distance there, okay? So that's point number one is humility. Point number two is connection. Romans 12, 4 and 5 says this. Just as our bodies have been, I'm sorry, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. The church at its best is when we have the mindset we all belong to each other. If you go down, I'll go down. If you don't make it, I don't make it. The reason why, the reason why I want to see a church that's healthy and strong and the reason why we have altar ministry every weekend where people can come down and get prayer, because if you don't make it, I don't make it. I'm not looking at it as, man, I'm going to make it and you're not and I can't believe you're not here yet. It, for me, it's, man, get the prayer that you need. I don't care what it is. You cannot shock us. Nobody will be, a, oh, I can't believe you're struggling with that. We Listen, listen, I am. this is not theory. I've lived this porn addict, molested at eight years old, I know what I'm talking about. Whatever you need, you can get it in God's presence with the right community that will come alongside you and go, listen, if I don't have the answer, we're going to find somebody who does, but we are going to come out of this stronger, healthier, and closer to God. Connection. That's how you know you're moving closer. You're humble and you're connected. Point number three, there's harmony. The opposite of rebellion is harmony. Here's what it says in Psalms 133. How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. Some translations say unity. For harmony is is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured on Aaron's head that ran down his beard and onto the robe and on onto the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there where on harmony there, the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. Thought about something when I thought about harmony Um, before Uh, uh, the first Destiny Child group broke up, (laughs) like, before they were, like, just couldn't take it anymore and broke up, they they were already kind of like, mm, with each other, right? But they were still in harmony when they sung. Harmony doesn't mean we agree on everything. It means uh, uh, even though we might disagree on some things, we're going to still hit this note. I'm going to hit my note. You're going to hit your note. La, la, la. That's all I got, so don't ask for more. Um, There's going to be harmony here. When you're in a community of believers, when you pick a church body, like like those that are here at Embassy City Church, they have chosen this church body to become residents of. That doesn't mean that you agree with everything that I say. It doesn't. Mean that you that I agree with everything that you might do, but what we are endeavoring is to live in harmony. Uh, it, it, is, it, is, it is time for us as believers individually to grow past the point that the first time we disagree with somebody in our church, we're on to the next. You will stunt your own development and growth if you don't get planted in a place. And actually blossom there. Well, I get, well he preached. I'm out. I'm out. I, I don't like what he said. And the worship went too long. I'm out. They do communion too much. I'm out. They don't com- do communion at all. I'm out. No, you're out. They're still there. You're out. Harmony is when you say, hey, I may not disagree with that. Or I may say things a little different. But we are going to hit our notes and live in community because that's why he gave us the church. So who's your neighbor? Everyone's our neighbor. Unbelievers are our neighbors and believers are our neighbors. But, but who are we supposed to really judge? Who are we supposed to really hold accountable? Those that have made a commitment that Jesus Christ is their Lord. And we do that in community and fellowship with each other. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? I hope that the the, the heart of what you heard is, is that God loves his church, and God loves his people that are inside of his church. And while nobody's perfect, he's called us together to hold each other accountable so that we can become the type of people that he's called us to be. We can't do it by ourselves. Jesus didn't live his life by himself. If there's anybody that could have justified it, it would have been Jesus, and Jesus chose 12 guys. Had three that were super close to him. They were there on his best day, being glorified on the Mount of Transfiguration, they were there on his worst day when he's crying in the Garden of Gethsemane. He had community. And if he has it, we can have it. If he did it, we can do it. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Embassy Irving.